0: You are tuned in to Americana Music Profiles. Thanks for joining us for the second season, brought to you exclusively by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine. Man, it's
1: people like you that, that make it possible for us to get out here and enjoy this life. Thank you for getting in touch with me. I'm so glad you love what we do. Thank you for your help with everything, Greg. It's a wonderful wonderful thing you've got going
0: there. I'm your host and publisher, Greg Tutweiler. Now let's get to this week's show. Les Boheme says he was part of the great Los Angeles music scare. Well, that sure made me curious. So I sat down with Les to talk to him about that, being a musician in the Los Angeles area, and what he's up to today. He is my guest on the next edition of Americana Music Profiles. So hi, Les. Welcome to the uh, podcast this afternoon. I appreciate you joining us. Oh, My pleasure. So you, you've been at this uh, entertainment thing for quite a long time.
1: <laughs> yeah, that makes me old, but yes I am. <laughs>
0: I wasn't fishing for old, I was I was interested in your experience, you've done a lot of different things.
1: <laughs> I have, I've sort of, I've bumped from one to the other, I uh, I started out playing in bands, I, I fell into screenwriting because a friend of mine uh, recommended me for a job writing about bands, and... Uh, Bouncing around. I think because I never had a career goal, I've been, been lucky
0: that way. Okay. <laughs> that's the first time that I've heard that that's a good thing, so I'm encouraged by that statement. <laughs> <laughs> um, in some of the uh, press material, I, I, there was a, a statement here that I'm curious about. Uh, you said, I was part of the great Los Angeles music scare of the early 1980s. What does that mean?
1: Well, you know, I, I, and this has all changed, with, with, I think more than anything, Uber, but Los Angeles always had trouble uh, maintaining a live music scene. My theory being basically that you couldn't be drunk and get home ah, as easily as okay. you could in, in, you know, in New York, you just put your hand up in the air and you're home. Right. Um, so we've only had a couple of pockets where, where live music really meant something here, and, and that late 70s, early 80s. Punk slash new wave moment. What was was kind of a, a you know a, a heyday for that. Uh-huh. Um, and um, I grew up here and came came more or less of age in that period. So um, I was part of the the great Los Angeles music scare. <laughs> 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 uh, you know we we, we re-emerge every few years, and now you know I think from from the '90s on we we were just a place where people go out and play, but uh, before that, it, it really there were there there were just these. There was the one little '60s pocket when I was a kid, and um, then there was the '70s '80s pocket when I was a young man, and and then it 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 just sort of it it never quite you know sticks. Uh,
0: and you got to enjoy a bit of uh, I guess we'll use the word commercial success uh, during that season as well, right? With with some of the music you were playing?
1: I, I, I did. I mean it was an unusual um little little taste. I I, I was in a band called Bates Motel and we, we played every club imaginable uh-huh. and, and we couldn't get signed, but we wound up um hired by the Mayo brothers to be their backup band. Okay. So the three of us wound up being in Sparks for the early eighties.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And we also had our own band at that point called Queenie's Fires, and we had a song called "Are You Ready for the Sex Girls," which bizarrely was a hit in Los Angeles while we were in Munich recording with Sparks. So, huh. so my partner David and I were literally out of town for our fifteen minutes of fame. <laughs> And so that I, you know, people, that, would, people would call us and hold up the phone and go, "Listen, you're on the radio."
0: <laughs> and, and that particular song had a, a a brief moment in Revenge of the Nerds, right?
1: It was in Revenge of the Nerds. It was in another fine film of the early '80s called The Last American Virgin. <laughs> um, it you know, it, it shows up um, you know here and there still. Uh, I keep waiting for you know the the hair band cover version of it to allow me to retire. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I think I may have missed that moment.
0: <laughs> so, how did you go from being a uh, rock punk punk rock musician to um, to being a, a screenwriter? You you got to work with uh, Spielberg, I think, too, didn't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. I did a, a show with, with with Steven Spielberg. I guess fifteen years ago or so. Um, I. It started as I said. I was playing a band, so there was a guy who had been the drummer in my band in college, who was now producing movies, and he he was producing for Mel Brooks. He produced mm-hmm. The Elephant Man and the and The Fly. And he, I was on tour with Sparks in France, and I had just shaved my head for a Gleaning Spires video, which which <laughs> is important to the visual of the story. So. <laughs> Um, uh, my friend Stuart called me and said, there's this company that's got a deal with the land company to make a movie about, or with Atlantic records to make a, a movie about rock and roll. And I told them that they should speak to you cause you're in a band and you, you speak in complete sentences. <laughs> and so they flew me back from Paris. And they told me their idea and I told them that it sucked and they hired me on the spot because <laughs> it's something I, I've, I've never been able to recreate in my life again is yeah. high school dating, you know, <laughs> right. But, but I was just, you know, I, I was, there were probably drugs involved and I was tired and I thought I was a rock star. So, you know, I was being right. naughty and, right. uh, and, and it worked out really well. <laughs> um, so then, you know, oddly, because I, like, I, I had a real attitude going because I had tried to get demos to Atlantic Records probably for five years. and right, okay. I came back on open. Um, and they wound up actually, Atlantic wound up signing Sparks. And the script got I, got, I got paid, you know, Writers Guild scale for the script, which was way more than I was making playing in the band. Mm-hmm. And um, it, the movie never got made. And <laughs> for the next couple of years, I did both. Right. And you know, I kept getting hired to write scripts about rock and roll that wouldn't get made. And then <laughs> at some point I got a job writing a horror movie because that was the only other job they would give ex rock and roll guys. <laughs> uh, and that was that was Nightmare on Elm Street Part Five. Right. And um and then I sort of looked up and and I was writing more than I was playing and then here I am. <laughs>
0: And, and and i'm I'm making a presumption, but you've been writing songs all along, right during during this these seasons of yeah, your life
1: I had a yeah i, I you know i I had a, a a bitter, cranky music didn't treat me well period where I did, you know kind of put my guitars away uh-huh. and, and couldn't listen to much and then, you know, a few years after that, I heard something I liked, and then I was making okay money, so I bought a better guitar and then I thought. You know, before I die, I would like to be able to finger pick better than I do. Hmm. Maybe if I if I could play if I could play a half assed version of one Mississippi John Hurt song, I you know I I I'd, I'd be happy. <laughs> and 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 I owe it to the money I spent on this guitar. Right, to try. right. <laughs> and then you know I, I I never got good enough to do that. But I started like I got better, and then something made me write a song, and then I wrote another one, and then I was like, oh, hold it, I kind of like these songs. And you know, a lot of my friends are still playing. And uh, my my friend Marvin Ezioni, who produced my more recent album, you know, I just kind of went over to his house one day and went, "These songs any good?" And and he was like, "Yeah, we should record these." Yeah. So we did. You know, and and it's it's it's, you know it's it's extremely. I mean, I'm in a very fortunate position that I can you know i i think it's my hobby it's actually what i love doing but yeah i could do it without it you know it sort of being murked up by all my dreams of being famous or, right. you know, or being a being a beetle or whatever i want to be, depending on the week you know so um, yeah but i mean I'm, you know i'm about to start another one
0: well, al- along the way, you've you've had some other artists record your music: Emmylou Harris, Randy Travis, Freddie Fender. Yeah. Is that um, so? In your writing, did you write for those folks, or was it just serendipity that that they ended up recording and, and, some know, of your music?
1: It, I mean, it was different every time. I mean, the, the Freddie Fender cut. Um, friend, I went, that song with a friend of mine. we we, we sent it to. It was like nineteen seventy something we you know we sent a cassette to a producer and mm-hmm. the guy was cleaning out his Huey Mo and he was cleaning out his desk two years later and he saw the title and went, Oh that's a good title and put the tape on <laughs> it. We wound up getting that. Um Randy Travis and I had mutual friends and so we wound up writing together okay. and, and so with Emmy I I knew her vaguely through some other people and it was when I was doing the show for Steven Spielberg, and I had this song I'd written, and I was just like, you know, would, would you want to do this? She said, yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it was different in every case.
0: And so the, um, the the moving through the different phases of the entertainment uh, industry, and you find yourself now. I, I guess the term would be singer songwriter. Is is this just where you happen to be now, or or is this where you feel like you you want to settle in and and spend some time at?
1: Well, I, I, as much time as anybody will let me. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I mean, I've got a kid in college. I've still got to work. Right. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, you know uh, with loftier there are you know stories I want to tell that are longer than three minutes uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm middle of a novel but okay you know I I, I, I mean I love doing it. It's, it, I, I it, the fact is that for all that I've done I mean I consider myself a musician a,
0: right a writer, okay a weird way. yeah yeah
1: I'm more I'm more comfortable in that world than I am in Hollywood I mean just just I just like it best so um yeah, it feels, I don't know, it just feels more honest. And, and it's what, you know, I, I, that's what I grew up with. So, I, as long as anyone will have me,
0: you know. Yeah, yeah. And did um, I understand correctly that this is your first solo record, the one that's, that's out? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that is yeah. moved to Durante. Do I have that right?
1: Duarte.
0: Duarte, okay. Duarte. Uh, and, and so Duarte. this is, after all of this career, this is your first solo record. How did that come to be? Um,
1: <laughs> Who was gonna form a band with me? Like. <laughs> uh, I, I just had these songs that I, you know I, I really wanted to, to, to get them into the world somehow and, and so I just started putting them out and it was like, oh, it's, it's a double album. Um, you know, I figure if you're putting out your your first album in your 60s, you're, you're allowed to double out, right? To to <laughs> so you put I, your first and second really, out at the same time, <laughs> right? I mean, if somebody really wanted to, they could slice the, you know, they could buy the CD, they could slice it down the middle, and they could listen to one one
0: year and one and the next, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so tell tell me a little bit about the about the record. Are the uh, stuff that you've acquired over the years for, of your own music, or, or did you write specifically well, no, for this?
1: It, 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 they're all from the last couple of years. I mean, uh, I, 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 and I think the, the songs fall into two categories. There are these brutally honest ones. I, I, they're all miserable. Please like, like stop <laughs> by saying that. I, I don't. I, 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 there might be a ray of hope somewhere, but I, I don't write happy songs. <laughs> and um, but so half of them are, you know, songs that are just confessional or, uh-huh. or hopefully relatable in their confessional yes um, the other half I, I I was literally walking down a street in Pasadena which is in the San Gabriel Valley near where I live and there was a sign in the window of an abandoned business that said move to Duarte. and Duarte is just a sort of nondescript bedroom community in the San Gabriel Valley Okay. but the, the, the sign was sad me and, and it made me write a song, and then I just started writing all these story songs about that part of California. And I sort of, you know, something that, that back in the great Los Angeles music scare, we have a habit in Los Angeles with the I either mean, there are big exceptions to this, like Dave Alvin, who, who claim California, uh-huh. but singer songwriters have a habit of thinking. Oh, those Texans! Their lives are so much richer and more important than ours. Uh, I think I'll I'll try and write those songs, or I'll uh-huh. try and write Nashville's. You know, and you know, or 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 it's Bruce, and it's all about New Jersey. You uh-huh. know, like it, it, it's like it's it, it's so rarely about where we live. Huh, okay. And and I just I sort of found this spot where I was like, oh, I I don't have to try and write a, a song about something I really know very little about, you know, like, right, truck stops in Oklahoma, you know, <laughs> like like I I love songs about Chuck stops in Oklahoma, but there's no reason to read write one. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it, it I, so they they sort of fell into these two camps, and then at, as I got more and more into it, I would just drive around the San Gabriel Valley and go. Oh, um, uh, Alhambra. I should I should have a talk about Alhambra too. So I mean, you know I I realize people not from this part of the country probably will listen to this record and go where that what what. <laughs> <laughs> um, hopefully it's relatable anyway. Right, um,
0: right.
1: And in fact, I can't stop. I've got three more that are you know the cities I missed in the San Gabriel Valley. I guess we'll have to be an EP.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> So what what's the um, when you play this music out what what does that look like for you where where do you where do you find yourself playing do you have a, a particular methodology of of what a, a tour schedule looks like or have you approached it from oh, that no, angle I, yet I
1: mean I, I don't I I've been out of that one for so long I don't have a clue how to do that you know if, if, if anybody listening who wants to book me please. <laughs> um, so I wind up, you know, I, I I have a friend with a guitar shop who has shows. Uh, I did, I, I published a, a novella um, called Flight Five Hundred Five about two years ago, and uh-huh. I did a bunch of I I did a bunch of bookstore readings for it, and so when they would ask me to read, I would go. And the the book's about rock and roll, so I was like, "Do you mind if I play it too?" And so okay. out of that. You know, there's this sort of, like, little circuit of, of, of readings, bookstores, stuff like that that I do, and I usually play either by myself or with my friend Marvin, who produced the album, who plays everything and is brilliant, and often with David Kendrick, who was the drummer in Gleaming Spires.
0: Uh-huh. So this has been out so, f- yeah. for you how long? How, when did you release this? Um,
1: I think it's almost seven, eight months ago now. Okay. I mean, it's you know, that... that, that released is such a vague term now, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> like, true, true. Um, you know, it sort, of, it sort of started creeping out into the world, I guess. would be Right, okay.
0: But, <laughs> and did I understand uh, you correctly to say that you're already kind of working on another one? Is that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, I've got all the songs that I've started, I, I've demoed all the songs and, and more, imagine uh, I'm going in Friday to put some more vocals on something to okay. see if it's better than, if it's more than a demo and then, um, I'm sorry, I, I, I I'm toying with, with several different ways of doing it. I have friends around the country and one idea I had was just to show up at various people's houses and do four songs each at, you know, yeah Kansas City New York and and I don't know where else, Nashville. But uh-huh. um but on the other hand I kinda of love the way I was did the last one. you know I I'll, I'll figure it out soon. <laughs>
0: So if if folks want to want to get the, the the double CD, uh, they want to they want to book yeah. you, they want to follow you, want to want to check in with you, want to want to figure out how to get in touch. What's the best way for them to do that?
1: Well, the the, the music's out in every single one of the usual places, right. you know, and any anywhere you get your music, you will find it. Move to Duarte, and my name, Les Bohine. Um, my website. Les Boheme's Wonderful World of LesBoheme.com. <laughs> um, it's, it's got links through a bunch of my short stories and some other music.
0: And that's B-O-H-E-M.
1: Uh, H-E-M. Uh, I never, ever use my Facebook because it's everything I hate about the modern world. <laughs> like, it, it just, it, it, it weirds me out every yeah. time I, or or, you know, or... Somebody I really don't ever want to see again that I knew when I was 20 shows up. <laughs> right. um, I'm, I'm waiting for the, the adult child I didn't know I had. to get that right. Um, I, Instagram's moved to Twitter. Twitter's news from Twitter. Facebook's just my name. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I um, I appreciate it, Les. This has been fun, and oh, uh, I. I, I I enjoyed uh, the, the history lesson there. Those are some neat things, too, and I'm <laughs> sure the listeners will, will appreciate it, too. I, I, I uh, was a, uh, a student in college in the 80s, and so I, I recognize the movies and the music that you mentioned. And so it's it's always fun to, to connect oh, into go. that world a little bit. So I, I appreciate it. Yeah,
1: absolutely, Absolutely. Well, thanks so much.